You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, William Gibson. Um, iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Perez, Chris Scales, David Flowers, and Tony Gross. How you guys doing? What's up, Will? Good evening. Hey, new Mike. Hello. So, uh, we are missing Mike this week. Um, we'll have him tell you guys where he is next week. So, no special guest this week, but we're going to kind of hit up results. Um, do you guys have a good week of racing this week at all, or how'd your guys' races go? Mine was well, kind of up and... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, me, Greg, and Chris all were in the same open on Thursday, and Greg finished third, I finished 10th, and unfortunately Chris qualified not so well, and within five laps got hit by somebody and ended up finishing 22nd. It was a long race for him. <laughs> I'm glad you said something. I couldn't remember what happened that race. I just looked up the result, and it was 22nd. Yeah, you were. You got you 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 qualified. I think about seventeenth or eighteenth. I qualified about tenth, and Greg qualified in the top five. And you know, before we got out of the first corner, like usual, there was a caution, and you got caught up in it. Yep. Yeah, I remember that one. Now that really sucked too, because it's you know, so rare to get three of you know three people from the same team in the same split, and we really didn't get a race around each other. I don't think any of us did. No, um, I mean, I was around uh, Greg a little bit, but uh, he definitely had a better, like, he, he was more comfortable in his car than I was, so, I mean, I got a top 10, I'll definitely take it, but I, you know, melted the tires off the car, because the, the last stand ended up being, like, 42 laps, so, you know, I don't think anybody had tires left after that. Yeah, California's, I mean, it's a slick track. For as fast as you're going there into turn one, you don't really have a whole lot of grip as far as the surface goes. You really have to utilize the whole surface. Um, I know Mike, he ran um, Wednesday fixed, and I was um, kind of there spotting for him. And he actually ended up P18, and we ran towards the back of the pack most of the race and got lucky on the last couple of restarts. There was a big wreck right at the end. Um, but P18 was a really good result considering how we ran, and... It's just that track is so slick and people get so aggressive early in the run. And I'm surprised we didn't have more cautions. Um, yeah, the tires, like, um, the, my races were kind of up and down. Probably one of the best ones I had was the Sunday morning open. And we ran almost that entire race caution-free. I think we had... Might have had both of them at the beginning. Might have one at the beginning, one at the end. I don't remember. We went through a full um, uh, fuel run, though. I actually that actually kind of killed me because I kind of played the strategy of staying it out, staying out until I was out of gas. A bunch of other guys short pitted and never had a caution, so that kind of killed me. But at the end of that run, man, it feels like you're driving around on beach balls. That actually yeah. might do me some good if I did that. I can't do tire wear. I'm struggle at it. Uh, I mean, you can if you don't mind giving up some spots early. If you go easy for the about the first 10 laps, 10, 15 laps, then by the time, you know, after 10 laps, most guys have already scrubbed off their tires. So you're able to, 
to actually come up and get past back past them, especially if they run against each other a lot. It's just something I've noticed. You know, from what I could tell, though, it, you're really risking it because if you are a little more relaxed on your tires early in a run and you start giving up three, four, five, six spots, if you get a caution too quick, you gave those spots up and now you're all back on fresh tires. It's really a balancing act of how much do I save these tires and how much do I fight for track position because you just don't know when that next caution is going to be. It's so inconsistent because just just the nature of how iRacing in the NIS series is. Well, it's just racing in general, though. Yeah, I just I feel like especially once you get to those like the lower half of the splits, it just you know there's going to be a caution, or you almost always expect there to be, but there's all those random times where you happen to get a twenty thirty lap run. I don't think the race I was with with Mike, I don't think there was more than a thirty thirty lap run at one point in time. So, and he was in a pretty high split. Yeah, that that Thursday race, we had like two or three early cautions, but after that, it was all green. Yeah, that's that's not bad then. But I'm gonna kind of shout out uh, Tyler Conroy, um, qualified pole in his Thursday fixed ra- race, and ended up finishing P two. So, uh, best results from the team this week. Um, any other highlights you guys want to mention before we move on? I had an interesting. Uh race uh, i did the fixed on thursday night now um i finished 24th and i i was i got spun early on a guy just come down into me and so i was kind of pissed off the whole race nothing was ever said so i just i didn't know what was going on and you know i uh it, it put me in it put me a lap down i couldn't get it back like the uh the race we had which is uh, quite out of the ordinary. There wasn't too many cautions, so lots of lots of green flag laps, um, and and I was really getting confident uh, driving that track, even as as hard as that fixed setup uh, was to drive. I was I was really enjoying it. Um, after the after the race finished up, I went back looked at the replay to see what the heck happened, and uh, Buddy just got into the wall and I was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So after being pissed off for, you know, two hours, <laughs> I kind of chuckled to myself at the end and well, it really wasn't worth, uh, worth it, but it, maybe it made me drive a little better. Yeah. It feels like you never get a caution when you need it, but there's always one when you don't want, don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. So some racing outside of NIS, um, we had uh, teammate Phil Linden. He actually ran a three-hour endurance race at Okiyama. Um, finished P33, but was disqualified because he ran the whole race by himself with no teammate. Um, so he started P27 out of 51. Um, held low P20s until a lap car clipped him. So um, it's good to see we're doing some racing outside of NIS. And uh I would have teamed up with him if I could, but I was stuck at work, but really cool to see that. Um, also, Phil ran a GRC race, uh, ended up P2, so um, he's having a lot of fun outside, and it looks like he's ready to run for the Pro Series. Um, did you guys run any of the Pro Series this week or have any plans to for the I, uh, Dirt or the GRC? I forgot about it for the Dirt. I've been meaning to, but I don't think my license is high enough. Don't you need an A license? No, crazy thing. Um, 
it's open to all license, and I believe that includes rookies. So, oh wow, because um, I I have a C license, so I'll take a look. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I didn't see anything in the forum. I tried to peek after I got off work that night, um, just because it was open to all license and snake splits. So, um, I didn't really see a whole lot. A lot of people complaining about number of cautions, but um, I unfortunately couldn't run in that. I had to work. Um, I was really looking forward to that, but they had to throw it on a Monday night instead of a Tuesday or a Wednesday. <laughs> So I'm going to let you, um, if you want to take the peak results there, Tony. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess it was a good race. Unfortunately, I was on vacation last week and I, I, I didn't get to watch it. Um, but, uh, looks like Keegan Leahy, uh, took, took the win. Um, and looks like he dominated that race. He, um, led 140 of 156 laps. Um, I actually found out about this um, through the NASCAR uh, mobile site. Um, there was a nice write-up uh, they, they put out there right on uh, right on the front page, um, detailing the the results from the the, the peak antifreeze series race. Yeah, I, I watched small clips of it. Um, I didn't really watch it start to finish. Unfortunately, I didn't even watch the end of it, but. One thing that amazes me is how good their restarts are. I mean, those guys will fan out three, four wide, and nobody will wreck. So um, it looked like a good race. That's definitely impressive to lead that many laps. That's a dominant performance for sure. So I hope, curious to see if you could carry that on. Yeah, I watched most of that race. I didn't get to watch that earlier. I got busy with other things. But, yeah, just the the way those guys run and how they're able to fan out and not wreck, it's like – Man, I need to get my I rating up so I get into more series like that. <laughs> and it's amazing because they're racing for much more than we are. In the NIS series, we're just racing mostly for fun. And you get people over-aggressive wrecking. And User entered there the is channel. good racing from time to time, but it just doesn't quite seem to be the same. It just comes down to respect. Them guys respect User left each your channel. other. Everybody else on the, you know, most of the people in the official series, man, there's just no respect. Uh, that's why I mostly do league racing, because we each have respect at that level. There's just random people you're going to race with. Why do you care? I, I'd like to add in another notable mention here. Um, uh, Ryan Luza, he came from 38th to finish third. Um, it seems to me like I, I, I really want to maybe I should go back and watch this race because you know, that's a, that's a heck of a charge. You know, it's too bad he couldn't get the job done after that, but still, you know, a third place finish uh, coming right from the back. Yeah, that's still good. Yeah. I remember, I believe I saw or heard somewhere that um, Ray Alfala had some kind of pit road issue and then the truck or the car didn't take on gas and he had to make an out of sequence stop and came, I think he came from like 30th to six on the final restart. So, um, definitely some good racing there for sure. So we're going to hop into topics now. Um, I'm going to let you take the first one here, Chris. 
All right, first um, comes from the forums and it says uh, quick, quick public service announcement. D3DGear.exe is not a virus. Now the first post was from Steve McDermott. He posted saying after last update, D3DGear.exe detected as a virus. AVG paid version, IR staff, please advise. Uh, David T Tucker chimed in. He said it's not a virus, followed by you can leave it quarantined. It is a helper function that registers some codecs for our video capture library. You only ever need to run it once, and you probably ran it a long time ago. And um, I didn't actually see a link to this. Did you see any any more on this, you guys? Um, if it's, you can leave it quarantined, and we don't need it. We ran it a long time ago. Why can't we just get rid of it completely? <laughs> You know, I've I've never seen that pop up. I've never even heard of it. I think it's just one of those things that just sits there, hides, and just hangs out. So I don't know why it's still there if we don't use it that often or we only need to run it once. But it's just one of those weird computer things, I guess. Yeah, I hadn't seen this either. Um, I've raced a lot in the last week or so. but So maybe it's just if you have AVG antivirus. Who knows? I... I've never heard of it, and I used to have AVG, and it never came up, so. Alright, so we, um, also this week we had a Season 2 patch and a hotfix. Um, I believe it was Thursday morning we received our patch. It took care of a few bugs that we talked about last week, including, um, the bugs that kind of affected the 12 hours of Sebring. Um, all that was kind of resolved. They adjusted the dirt track grip. So for dirt ovals, the grip was adjusted back to how it was in the end of 2017, so season four. Um, the they fixed an issue where the dynamic track system was not rendering on non-dirt ovals, causing visual abnormalities. So basically, I believe we talked about Pocono last week, how the wall looked just tattered and destroyed. I believe that should have been adjusted by this patch. Um, also, some car adjustments. The Delara um, IR18 had its drafting scheme adjusted, so you'll get less downforce um, in the draft, and it has less overall length, so it's going to be harder to kind of catch that draft. And this one kind of bummed me out, but they threw some tire bundles on the dirt section of the Sonoma Rallycross track. So right as you pull off the drag strip, they have tire bundles there on the inside and kind of take away from you being able to dive bomb in the valley of the grass there. So if you've run that track, you know what I'm talking about. And they took some fun out of that, but it's still a great sir, a great track. So, um, But that was kind of some of the highlights from the patch. All the rest of the patch notes can be found online. And then we got a hot fix a few days later, including uh, a fix to a bug the LMP1 cars had. Where if you try to remove a tear off, you got stuck on pit road. So some video surfaced of that early in the week and by the sixteenth that was all cleared up. So thank iRacing for that and that's kind of all the notes we have from that this week. So still nothing on that weird um crash noise bug, I guess. I noticed it was still going on last night. No, I didn't see anything about that, and I had a similar issue. I was practicing uh, the 410 wing sprint car at Charlotte, and it made some awful crash noises as I was coming out of pit road there. So I think that's still kind of causing issues for some people. 
might cause heart attacks for some people. <laughs> it scares the heck out of you. I guess I'm not on here enough to experience any of these bugs. I bet you will. Are you running Road to Pro tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I bet you will. You'll hear it a lot then. Yeah, if they're you're going to Martinsville, there's going to be a lot of crash noises sounding off there. So yeah, it's yeah, be... <laughs> some real and some imaginary. Yeah, if there's any kind of crash bug or crash sound problem, it's going to be amplified at Martinsville for sure. Oh boy. So I'll let you um, if you want to take the next one, David. Actually, kind of goes over the twelve hours of Sebring issues. Uh, Kevin Bobbitt tells us what went wrong with the 12 Hours of Sebring. On Wednesday, Kevin Bobbitt reached out on the forum discussing what went wrong with the 12 Hours of Sebring. He stated, The crash was caused by the sim running out of sound resources. When a driver leaves the car, they are putting into replay mode, which can lead to a spike in the number of emitters needed to reproduce the sounds of the cars in the session. This affects the endurance race in particular because of the large fields and driver swapping um, inherent in team racing. The fix will be included in the next member's patch, expected to be released Thursday, March 15th. Um, so, looks like that's already been fixed. So, hopefully something like this won't happen again. But, unfortunately, with the endurance and the team racing, it literally, if it isn't one thing, it's another. Unfortunately. Yeah, it, I almost feel like they need to run a special event every week 13. Not like an official 12 hours of Sebring or 24 hours of Daytona, but some kind of like maybe six hour special event, something fun that you could do that will really show off if there is any issues because the these endurance events, these big special events, you get such a big user base and it really amplifies every little problem. I almost feel like they need to host one of these every every week 13 we have to just really get the kinks worked out before we have a official special event i don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that at all or yeah but you could do all the testing and i've, I've bashed iRacing before but, but you could do all the testing in the world and all the planning in the world equipment is gonna fail programs are gonna crash it's just it's inevitable it is and unfortunately like I love iRacing, don't get me wrong, it's great, but they need to take a serious look about updating it to a newer platform, whether that's Unreal 4 or whatever, because they literally took the original NASCAR 2003, and that's what they've started with. That code's now going on, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, and people are like, well, they need to change this, and they need to add this, and they need to do that. And it's, I think part of it is it's so hard for them because the cold, the code is so old that they don't have an easy way to be able to fix and implement things easily. Well, and the costs are just enormous, too. I mean, what do we want? Do we want more content, or do we want a better functioning thing? And yes, we do need a better functioning servers and stuff. But how much do we really like our content right now, too? And almost, I just feel like this was really kind of thrown off because the event was held on week 13. I, I feel like if there was more endurance racing as far as, like, 
the IMSA or anything of that nature, this would have popped up before. I feel like what really threw it off was it was a special event and an endurance event all in one week where there wasn't a lot of other racing going on. So they really didn't have the time to properly fix or adjust it. Well, hopefully, you know, they are going to learn from every incident. But hopefully we can get this number of stuff down to where it happens a couple of times a year instead of every event. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not bashing iRacing. I'm really not. It's, I understand, like Chris said, stuff's going to fail. I get it, especially when it's an all-online thing. It's just, you know, when you look at special events in, like, World of Warcraft, it doesn't crash, and, you know, they they used to have 50, 60-man raids, and nothing would crash. So I just, that's all I'm saying. Maybe take a look at moving their, you know, their, their background code to a newer platform where it's easier for them to update and make changes. So we're going to move on to the next topic here. Um, I'm going to take this one. Uh, Fanatec um, is going to sponsor a few series, and they kind of posted up about a, basically a, God, what's the word I'm looking for here? A contest, sorry, um, where you can win some free Fanatec gear. So um, if you want to win a free Club Sport V2.5 wheelbase and a wheel of your choice, um, all you're going to have to do is run one of the two sponsored series um, with the Fanatec logo in your primary position, and at the end of the season, all that qualify will be automatically entered in to win the Fanatec wheel and base. So, um, I know we talked last week about VRS jumping on and sponsoring the GT3 World Championship, and we have Fanatec sponsoring some of these other road series, and it looks like you're getting a chance to win some free gear. So, I think that's really cool. I think it would be cool if more companies hopped on board with this model and really gave us more reasons to race some of these series. Um, what do you guys think? Definitely a nice way to grease the, uh, grease the gears. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe push some, um, now I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss here. <clears throat> more people to race, race those series. Anytime you add in free stuff, you're going to get more people, you know, sign up and with, uh, the way Fanatec did it, where you have to use their, logo is your primary sponsor that's that's pretty cool it seems like that's that's easy sponsorship for them i mean it's cheap sponsorship for them anyway you get everybody to put their logo on the car that makes it, i guess it'll make it kind of interesting those races with everybody you know half the guys are going to be running the same primary sponsor trying to win that stuff yeah i can't remember which two series they sponsors i believe the proto gt was one of them um which runs like the corvette the Aston Martin, and then like the old Ford GT. I cannot remember what the second series was, and I know the Proto GT series was really one of the bigger road series back in the day, and it's kind of faded. So I don't know if this will hopefully help get more people in these races, or um, it is just cool to see them giving back to not just I racing, but to the members as well. And it's cool that you just have to run, you know, these things to have a chance that. You know, winning the prizes that way it takes it adds the prizes which gets the you know people competing in the series but it doesn't add that extra i'm gonna wreck your face off because this is for real money and if i win i could you know win these things everybody has the same chance 
It's the Fanatec GT Challenge, which is the 4GT, the Chevy Corvette C6 GT1, and the Austin Martin DB9R, as well as the Fanatec Global Challenge, which has the Cadillac and the Kia Optima. Those are the two. Okay, so yeah, it sounds like they sponsored what was known as the Proto GT, and then the Global Challenge, I think is what that one was called, which... Seems like it kept the same name, so those are entry level um, series as well. I think those are D and C class, so it's nice they're not just throwing it all to the class A people, the people who probably already have this level of gear and equipment, if not something better. They're really offering it to the people I feel like who are really going to run for it and want and need it the most, so. Sorry, David. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I I, hit, I didn't mean to hit the button. Oh, all good, all good, man. Um, Chris, I don't know if you want to take the next topic here. Yep, so um, looks like uh, Tyler Hudson made a post explaining um, heat, ra- heat racing options available in the beta UI for people hosting sessions. The list includes 12 total options, including one specialized for GRC, World of Outlaws, Sprint Cars, and Late Models. Some options include inversions, which is when the top qualifies swap spots. For example, first in the heat starts sixth in the main, second in the heat starts fifth. Uh, we also want to thank Jeff Marble, who reached out and let us know Tyler Huston, Huston posted a Legends race at Atlanta to test one of the new formats. And because the event went so smooth, he put $50 worth of iRacing credits for winning and $5 for everyone involved. All heat races and features went caution-free. So uh, yeah, cool stuff. Um, so the some of these other options besides the inversion, do you guys know um, what else is available to run in these hosted races? Uh, it looked like a lot of them were for just depending on how many cars there were. Um, the way the PDF was laid out was a little hard to read at first, but it looks like you can have basically X number of cars transfer to the heat, X number go to B mains and transfer. Um, you can have the inversion. So just different formats there. Uh, I really like how they're getting in front of this. Um, King's Royal is the first dirt oval special event they have, which will really take advantage of this system, as well as whenever they announce the Chili Bowl. Um, so uh, it was, to be honest, the PDF I had a hard time kind of sorting through because they were basically posted like, this is for World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, this is for World of Outlaw Late Models, this is if you want this. So, um... There were definitely a lot of options, and it's really cool they're giving people that. It would just be nice if you could run these heat race formats without having to open the beta UI. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I, I for one, would like to do some more heat racing. And um, I just wish I wish there was more people in most of the fields. Like, if, as for example, the only thing I've really raced is GRC, and I've never really felt like I was had much of a chance of um, getting of not making the main because there's usually only half the time. If you're running the constellation, it's going to be with maybe one other person. You're both making it or you're going to have, you know, four people and those couple of guys going to run off the track. So that would be my only complaint. I'd like to see more people and um, some of these heat races and have a better chance of getting sent home. If you don't perform. Yeah, I kind of feel you there. I've never once been in a race where I didn't feel like I could make the main. Um, I think with GRC now, I think, what, four of them transferred to the main? 
out of six, that leaves only, if there's two heats, only four guys with two open spots in the B main or the consolation race. And usually one or two guys will drop anyway. So you're almost guaranteed a spot. I really feel like two or three should make it out of the heat. And then at that point, have a bigger B main field um, with less people transferring to really kind of make it uh, make it special for making that feature event. Either that or just have bigger splits. I'm not sure exactly the right way to fix it, but I do feel I kind of hear you there, Chris, as far as there's really no fear of not making it. As long as you drive smart, you're going to make it. There's not enough cars to justify dropping anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I have, I'm terrible at GRC, and I've never missed um, a main event, and that kind of you know defeats the heat racing a little bit. It just it's, it's just smaller races at that point. Yeah, but yeah, I want to really thank Jeff. He contacted contacted out to me, I believe yesterday, and he said originally Tyler posted it up and said, "Hey, fifty bucks for the winner, ten for three random people." But all the heat races were going so smooth. They said he really appreciated it and said, hey, $5 credits for everybody um, as long as we can finish this whole session up. So they ran, I think he said, three or four heats. Uh, that would have been a consolation race and then the main with no caution. So I think iRacing needs to look at having somebody official there every race to get these races running smoother. So I'm going to take next topic here. Um... If you run the Indy Oval Car Fix Series, um, Homestead was this week, but if you noticed, there was no Homestead Fix setup. Um, both the Homestead and Michigan setups were missing from the setup pool, and it uh, took a, about a day for Eric, um, I can't pronounce his last name, Hudik, hope I said that right, to um, update the database and put those setups back in. So if you had any kind of issues running the new IndyCar Oval Series this week with the IR18 uh, because setups were missing. That has definitely been resolved. So kind of a little oversight there from iRacing. Yeah, but they got it fixed. So that's good. I mean, it is, they, they do a good job of, of catching stuff when it's, when, when it messes up. So you mind if I take the next one, Will? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. I was going to pass this one on to you. I know you're a big fan of these cars. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm the only one out of us so far that's probably tried the LMP1 cars. I don't know if anybody else has. Um, oh, I have. Oh, you have? Okay, I, w I wasn't sure, but like, like out of me, Will, Chris, and Tony, I know I'm the only one that has. Um, so this week, uh, they've had a lot of cool content come from the iRacing community, as well as some great media coverage, starting with a very important video from YouTuber EmptyBox explaining how the hybrid system works for the LMP1 cars. Um, I actually watched that video to learn how the hybrid system works. Basically, excuse me, uh, basically it's all about the brakes. Um, each turn you build up charge through the brakes and that's what keeps your batteries charged. If you lose that charge, you don't, you, you lose half your horsepower. Now, the difference between the Audi and the Porsche is the Porsche on the straights has a little bit of catchability, and the other difference is, is the Porsche, you can see the, the catch bars on the actual, like, steering wheel panel. On the Audi, you can't see that. You have to go 
switch to a black box. I think it's the F7 one to, uh, to see that, unfortunately. Um, but it was a good video. Now, I, the only thing I don't understand is why Xbox or why iRacing is having somebody else do an explanation video on something they released. I just, I, I feel it was, it, it, it's a great car, but it's left a lot of people scratching their heads going, well, how does this car work? And have to do a lot of self-testing to figure out something that iRacing could have very easily done with a two or three minute video. I like the funny noises it makes when you're in it. It's a cool car to drive, but yeah, I wish you know they would explain it better. I still, after watching his video, don't understand it. Yeah, it's um, it's a great video. He goes really in depth as far as how the system works, what to look for in the sim, how the settings work, um, to kind of really get the most out of it. I tried it a little bit, but I have the Audi, and you can't see the battery charge and deployment rate on the steering wheel the same way you can in the Porsche. That's um, that's what I was talking about. Well, you have to hit um. I think it's whatever, I want to say it's F7, but it might be F9. It's whatever black box does the in-car adjustments, that's where it shows that information. So if you're in the middle of racing and you're, you know, you have your relative up to see how close somebody is behind you, you're not, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage, unfortunately. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not quite sure you know, I don't know how they would fix that. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's how it is in the real car or not. I'm assuming it is. But, I mean, they're still fun as hell. Yeah, and I actually drove some of the F1 car because the McLaren MP430 uses similar systems. And just from watching that video alone, I kind of understood better what to fiddle with on the formula car. And I believe I like to practice at the Indianapolis road course, and I was able to take almost a second off my lap time just messing with those settings. I know it's a different car, but iRacing really should put more effort into really giving us an owner manual for these vehicles because they are, it's amazing how complex they are and how realistic they are and how everything works. But you almost need an engineering degree to really get the most out of it. Well, the one thing, especially that like Empty Box said, like especially for Lamar, as long as you leave it in auto for Lamar, you're going to be fine. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to do. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can leave it on auto for most tracks and be fine. Just manual just gives you that, you know, little bit finer option to tweak it. That's the, really the only difference. Yeah, but it was definitely a great, great video. And I would say if you are having a hard time or you just want to learn how the LMP1 cars work, um, just go to YouTube, look up Empty Box. Um, it should be probably one of his top videos this week because it was super, super informative, very well done. So, um, Tony, I don't know if you want to take the next topic here. Yeah, I'll take this one. So this is actually a pretty big stat, I think. Maximilian Benecke posted on Twitter that he was the first person to hit 10,000 I rating on, on road. Um, the, the Twitter post says 1,000 days, 433 races, 281 pole positions, 275 wins, 10,000 I rating. Um, hashtag the first on at iRacing Road. Massive thanks to 
pure racing team who pulled me into the sport three years ago. So looking at, uh, you know, this, this guy's stats, like um, overall on road, he's got a few more starts now, but um, you know, he's got a, he's sitting at a 58.74% uh, win percentage and an 80% uh, top five, like that is just absolutely insane. Maybe you guys should drag me into doing road stuff. Maybe I'm like a road phenom. I don't even know it. I'm down with anybody that wants to do road. <laughs> so just a, you know, one more stat here to throw at you guys. Uh, just this year, like up to this year, he's, he's made uh 26 starts and he's won 23 of them. Man, that's ridiculous. I see like guys like that. I don't even know how they can have that many races without just being caught up in somebody else's stuff. <laughs> that's amazing. When, I guess you're just that far ahead front, of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's when you're out front, all the reckons behind you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it when you're lapping them, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, that's just a phenomenal stat. I mean, 10,000 eye reading, there's not even like an award or certificate or anything for that in the system. I think they max it out at 9,000. So um, definitely worthy of his world championship license there. And yeah, I mean, I just wonder how much he practices for each race. Like, does he just hop in and go? Is he that talented or is he putting in three, four hours a race? I wish, I almost wish they would show you how when how much time you put into practice cuz i almost guarantee you it's double anybody else around him well i got to i got to imagine this guy's got a bit of uh natural ability um you know you you look at his first year that's posted in 2015 um you know he made 184 starts and he won 55 of those starts for a, a 29.8% uh in the win column um, you know, th this guy's just been good from day one. Yeah, that's yeah. just skill. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he was part of the F1 eSports event in Abu Dhabi, so he was a finalist in that, so his talent crosses over not just from iRacing, but to other Sims as well, so um, very, very impressive. So I'm going to take the next topic here. Um, BBC Sport um, posted a video of Max Verstappen um, making a pass in at Spa. Um, I'm going to pr pronounce the name of this turn wrong, but Blackmont? I think I totally butchered that. But yeah, 200 mile an hour overtake on the outside of somebody. And one week later, he did it real life. Um, I don't know if you guys, did you guys see those videos at all or get to compare the iRacing versus real life there? Yeah, I always love to check those out. I've seen a million of them, but they they still impress me every time. Like almost, you know, without every single one of them without fail. I mean, if they put the time into it, they just match up so well. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Verstappen's a phenom, though. I've been watching him drive for the past two or three years, and just the amount the amount of skill that the kid has. I mean, he's he's twenty this season, I think, and he just. His skills unreal. I think if uh, 
what we are seeing, we're just kind of seeing a trend here that maybe we should name our kids Max. User because apparently that is a, a racing name. Because <laughs> we have Maximilian, the crazy road racer that wins everything, and then, you know, this guy. Name your kids Max if you want them to be fast race car drivers. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, it's identical. He passes them right on the outside, um, high-speed corner at Spa, um, in the sim. And then I had to do a little hunting down to find video of it um, in Formula 1. But, I mean, like, that's the premier motorsport in the world. And he, I mean, it looks identical. So, yeah, it's really, really impressive and really some great footage. That's the first time I've heard of it. Uh, it is pretty cool, though, that he, he did practice. You know, it looks like he did do exactly the same thing over. Yeah, so uh, next media topic we have here, um, we have a, a lot of people showing off some of their um, high camber setups in the forum and some funny photos. Um, ever since supersets kind of became a thing about a week or two ago, people have really gotten more and more aggressive with how they put the camber on their car, and these things are starting to look like lowriders. Um, the photo I kind of pulled here for the YouTube edits from Michael Cotto and... I mean, that thing looks just like a lowrider in an A-car. I don't know. It's just, it's funny. I don't know what you guys think about it. <laughs> I don't know where they came up with that lowrider picture. I don't know if it's just because they're trying to, you know, make fun of how you know, garbage this camera stuff is. But, yeah, all the other pictures, I mean, it's, it's crazy to look at them. But, I mean, I don't know. As far as the way I fall on this camera stuff... They'll, they'll patch this, and then they'll have something else that you can throw out of whack to get some kind of advantage. I mean, it's just it's just math. It's, it's always going to be um, some kind of goofy thing you can do. But it's kind of cool that with this goofy thing you can actually visually see on the car. Yeah, so it look, looks like we got Tony back there. He all set up there, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're good to go. A slight glitch, apparently. That's all good. No worries, man. Uh, we were just kind of talking about the 13 degrees of camber. I don't know if you saw that photo or not. Yeah, yeah, I did see that photo, and I've been kind of following it. And uh, boy, oh boy, the uh, that, that sure is a hot topic as of late. Um, but yeah, you guys are right. It certainly does look weird. So I'm going to take the next topic here. Um, the World of Outlaws actually posted up on their Twitter feed about the new upcoming World Championship. So really cool to see that. Um, they're promoting that really well. And I believe I saw Red Bull do it as well. But they um, tweeted that out, kind of bragging about the upcoming World Championships. And they had a good article. And I actually pulled a quote here from Ben Geislinger. Um, he's the World of Outlaw Chief Marketing Officer. Uh, he said... We're excited to see our premier series play out in the digital space with the best eSport drivers in the world. It's the next step in our ongoing partnership with iRacing, and we hope to encourage continued crossover between simulated dirt racing and real-world dirt racing. So I don't know if you guys saw those at all, and do you guys really feel like at some point we're going to start getting more crossovers between these world championship drivers and iRacing crossing over to real-life racing? I think so, because, I mean, it's happened on the, the oval side. Look at 
William Byron and uh, Ty Majeski. So it it'll happen, I'm sure, at some point on the dirt side, if it hasn't already. Well, it's also happened on the roadside as well. So yeah, like David said, it's just it's just a matter of time. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, you have like uh, just in NASCAR, for example, you have race teams that have simulators running crappier versions of, uh, you know, um, simulator software in their shops or paying money for. So they do it for a reason. You know, it's giving these drivers an advantage. So why wouldn't it give you even more of an advantage if you were one of these drivers and you were racing on something like iRacing and then you take the, that experience to the track? I think it's just going to be more and more crossover the, the farther we go. And it's going to be easier for teams to find the next big Dale Earnhardt, you know, or Max Verstappen, because it's easier to give these guys the software and watch them from a server or whatever and just watch and see who's really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could probably most of these aliens that we see on here, I mean, you could pluck them out and you have to assume that most of these guys could probably handle themselves in a real life race car. I mean, there's just some people it's obvious um, whether it's sim or real life. Some people just have the talent. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that the I mean, this is a high a high ranking guy in the world of outlaws, which is pretty much the pinnacle of dirt racing. Um, wanting to see people make that transition. So um, I know I think I, one of the first episodes I listened to was talked about Alex Bergeron and his virtual to reality race where he actually hopped into the 305 sprint car in that 360 race and did phenomenal. So I feel like dirt racing, I mean, all racing is expensive, but dirt racing is a lot cheaper than some of the higher end NASCAR stuff. And I think it's a great place to help get people to transition over. Yeah, it's cool to see somebody that's so high up, um, you know, the the food chain in the World of Outlaw series talking about this stuff too. I wish we could see some of the, you know, the big guys in some of these other series talk about iRacing a little bit more. NASCAR. Yeah, it's been a couple. I mean, it's been almost a month since we've heard anything about the, the whole NASCAR esports series. I know they pushed for it pretty hard, and there's a lot of news coming out real fast, but it's kind of died down over the last few weeks and months. So. Um, hopefully this kind of hopefully starts sparking some of that back up again because yeah let like... them let them work on the details a little bit more give them a little bit more time to figure out and they'll probably come out with something that's gonna make a lot of eyes turn to eye racing here shortly yeah i hope so i mean it, it seems like uh such an obvious fit it, it just seems easy i mean just the way racing is these days and social media and just seems like it's the It'd be a great fit and um, a huge win for NASCAR and iRacing. Just as long as they do it right. <laughs> Maybe this, you know, will help help iRacing and their programmers and stuff get to that next code base that we can use that makes the sim more reliable and we don't have these crashes that we've been seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, would you guys be opposed to, a, like, basically an iRacing 2 that only the World Championship Series run that had better code as they worked on it to roll it out to the general public? Or Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I mean, why wouldn't, I mean, 
if we can see it and we, you know, they can test it, you know, while it's running, what better place to do it? Because if they're going to have issues, it's going to make them look bad and they're going to want to get it fixed right then. Yeah, it'd be cool. And um, yeah, as long as they did it through you know, something like the, the beta UI, they could do something like that where you're just running on different servers. They could test out, you know, whatever they want, you know, get their fixes done that way. They, uh, you're right. If they need to get the the problems fixed around these major events, um, if I was a big sponsor, I don't want to spend money to have people come watch my thing just to have it not go off for some reason. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We're gonna hop over to actually hardware software right now. Um, Tony, you want to take this one? Yeah. Sure. Looks. Looks like uh, there's a little bit of buzz um, happening from uh, main performance uh, PC. Um, looks like they're uh, they're designing a new new pedals and direct drive wheel kit. Um, they uh, uh, well, yeah. The question was 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 posed on a on a on a different post asking about um, pre-orders, but I couldn't find what the pre-orders they were talking about. But anyways, it, it got directed towards the pedals and wheels. Uh, they, they replied, we have pedals and a direct drive servo wheel do an extensive testing before production to make sure they're bulletproof. Um, uh, more people were asking questions. Um, they, they divulged that the wheel uh, will be cheaper than AccuForce, more expensive than Fanatec. Um, no options. The entire wheel kit will include everything from uh, different wheels, like quick release uh, for different race styles, and it's also beefier in terms of power. Um, they are saying that they're uh, the, the pedals are you know sub 400 and require assembly. They'll ship worldwide for under 20 bucks, and include their pedal controller as well. Um, think. Uh, he style but cheaper and just as strong slash good but no hydraulic now uh scrolling down their their facebook page um they did give up a little bit more information like when they're 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 planning to release release this uh late 2018 or early 2019 shortly after their patents get kicked through and uh the total cost wheel and and uh, pedal setup they're they're looking for is about right around the twelve hundred dollar mark. Now, I don't know much about main performance PC, but from the what I've been reading on their on their Facebook page and from the replies and stuff, that's uh, they they seem to be a really uh, really good quality uh, uh, company. Yeah, they make the uh, Bodo cockpits, cockpits, which um I know mine. I use as well as Mike and he actually has a pair of their older pedals which are the hydraulic ones um but they kind of stopped production of those I guess they had some kind of hydraulic issues in the past and it just wasn't worth going on with them but I think it's really cool we're getting more direct drive options costs are coming down um I feel like the demand for high quality good sim racing gear is really high right now and the technology has improved a ton so it's um kind of a perfect storm in the next couple of years for the quality of equipment to get better and the cost to come down. Oh, well, that's cool. I didn't realize these were the guys that uh, were behind the Obados um, cockpits. Uh, 
that that's that's real neat well a lot of good things are said about those so and then they uh i know mike mike says uh you know talks pretty high of the pedals that he runs so um yeah looks like it could be a good thing yeah the more the merrier i mean the the more companies you have building this stuff the better stuff's going to get cheaper it's going to get and you know like we were talking about earlier if stuff does blow up if nascar makes the right decision some you know world of outlaws makes the right decision somebody you get a lot of people that are buying this stuff then the prices go down even more so winner winner we'll just keep hoping yeah on the on the software side this week um actually this kind of happened last week and i kind of had a highlight over in our topics because the last few shows were kind of long um david tucker talked about how to use the two buttons two buttons as one function um, in the forums. He said, he, I cleaned up an old feature for this se season. So now you can easily map two keys or buttons to a command. Basically, you can make one button on your wheel act as a shift key that lets the rest of the buttons take on a second function. That way you can map more macros with a limited number of buttons. So uh, I know we talked about that as part of the season two build this year and he kind of went a little more in depth on how that works, and I didn't get to see where you set that up at. I haven't really got to play with it too much, but I think it's really good because some of these cars today they just have too many commands. You have chat options for team speak and in the sim, so definitely a lot going on, and they're kind of making the most of what we got. Uh, oh, that's sorry, Chris. I say that that's really cool. It's like my uh, my button box. It's a homemade jobby, and well, it. It doesn't have a whole lot of buttons on it um, so having this option just allows me to expand my button box and um, make it a lot more uh, friendly to my use this is cool yeah yeah I was gonna say about the same thing it was kind of a feature I didn't know I wanted because I mean, it almost doubles your buttons you know where you whether you put them in a box wheel whatever it's pretty awesome I make driving the uh, new Porsche 919 easier. You know, I mean, now I don't have to map it. You know, I can map the one button to, and then have different features for other stuff too. So. Yeah, I was like, I was driving the Formula car, um, drove some of the LMP1, and there's just so many different options as far as your like ERS, your deployment. I mean, everything, and even in some of the simpler cars. You could adjust the uh, like a ton of stuff on the um, space on here, the Indy car, and I assume at some point we're gonna get an adjustable track bar in the Cup cars, and having more options is definitely never hurts, never hurts for sure. Yep. So, so this week, um, we also had Tyler Hudson kind of chimed in on the debate between VRs versus triples in the forums this week. Um, he has some really good insight because he runs between both of them. Um, he kind of had to say, Rift is very cool. The immersion is insane. Especially if you've raced in real life before, it places you right back in the car. I continue to go back and forth between my Rift and triples. The screen door, motion sickness, headaches, and all of that I can get over, but the lack of field of view is all that kills it for me. Not being able to know where someone is when I am racing them side by side um with them is a big hurdle to get over it is easy 
it isn't as easy as simply looking over, especially when you're, you've used triples and you can focus and see where they are through your peripheral vision. If I had one monitor, VR would be a no-brainer. However, triples are slightly better, are still slightly better. So, um, I don't know. I run a VR. I love it. It is a little weird to have to turn your head a little bit, but not the end of the world. I guess I just because I never got used to racing on triples. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I, you know, I, I can, I, I just moved to triples and I've never actually run VR, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but I know <laughs> triples are absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> it, it, it totally brings you in and the awareness you have around your car is, is just bar none unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I'm on a single monitor, but um, VR is definitely the upgrade path I'm going to go, uh, mostly because I've heard such good things, and it's cheaper. It's a lot cheaper than, um, you know, I mean, if you go the triple route, not only do you have to have three monitors, you have to have, you know, something to put them on. And um, I've just heard nothing bad about VR, and I can see what he's saying, like, where you can have the difference between if you run a triple, is you could always see out that left window just through your peripheral instead of actually having to look over. I don't know. I mean, I obviously have no experience with either, so I can't really say, but it seems to me the from what I've been hearing people talk about the immersion, the you know, immersion, immersion, it just feels so real. I think I could give up that little bit of peripheral vision that I wouldn't have, you know, in real life anyway. I'm still going to be looking over and, you know, I, I take the immersion over the um, being able to see somebody to my left. I, I think it would... And I've only ran triple. Well, I've ran triples in a single monitor, and triples. I love. I don't know, you know, that screen door effect. How you know, and motion sickness and stuff. I mean, I'd be afraid. Because I know I have. I suffer a little bit just on triples. So. You know the whole motion sickness thing. I think if you have a good frame rate, I've never really had an issue. Um. The screen door effect, you can notice if you're trying to notice it, but in the heat of a battle, when you're driving, you don't notice it at all. It's just like when you sit there on pit road and you're bored or you just hopped on and you really start to focus on the little details you get that, but it's not it's not that bad. Um, the one thing I do miss is you obviously can't really utilize third-party apps as much, or really at all. Um... So stuff like Joel real timing and things of that nature that gives you that extra information you lose out on. It does get extremely warm in those headsets. But, I mean, I used to race with what they call like speedway sprints where basically sprint car chassis, go-karts basically. And you had to turn your head in those to see. I mean, the helmet cuts off your peripheral vision. So I never really struggle with that. Plus, I use the in-car mirrors. I don't use the virtual mirror at all. But whenever I do like the A-car or the trucks, I use those virtual mirrors. And it doesn't take much to just kind of glance over at that side mirror and see what's next to you. Plus, I use a headset um, for audio, so you have those audio cues as well. So a little bit, like especially dirt racing, when you're really battling side by side, you kind of have to look a look over once in a while. But it takes just such a brief second. And I feel like, yes, it, it probably would be a little bit easier on triples. But I would rather be a little slower and have a more realistic experience than three screens. I don't know. Like, when you put that headset on, you're in the car. The rest of the world around you shuts off, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, I was watching I would... a video you posted in the um, um, our team chat. 
uh, just the other day. And when you just, the part where you just sat down in the car and you were looking around and like looking at the tires in the sprint car or whatever it was. And I was like, man, that is so freaking cool. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I do want to try VR. I just got to be able to afford it first. Yeah, that's one of those things. It'd be nice if there was more places where you could go out and experience it without spending. Well, I mean, you know, it's probably 400 bucks for the headset. And then if you don't have a, a video card, I mean, right now, those those things are outrageous. So let's keep yeah, me my, upgrading right now. My buddy's looking was looking at a new video card and he's like, is $1,100 normal? I'm like, now it is. It wasn't six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until the data mining goes, you know, stuff goes away, I'm kind of screwed. I don't yeah. think that's going anywhere, but that's another topic altogether. <gasps> I, I read a forum the other day that the video card I had that just died in my PC was selling on eBay for around uh, $2,000. I was like, are you serious? That is ridiculous. That's... Ten times what I paid for it, almost. What What do you have in your... What did you have, Chris? I had a 1060 in my case. Mm. And it died. And now I replaced it with a 1050 Ti, because that was all I could afford. I got you. I've, I've, I've got a 970. I can't touch... Like, I would love to upgrade it just to a 1070, but I can't touch the pricing of it. Yeah, before yeah. Um, Christmas, I, I don't know what you spent on yours, but I've been chopping for a while. I know it was a lot. But before, right before Christmas, I was finding uh, 1070 Ti's for like 350 400 bucks. I think right after it was, they went up to about 450 So Yeah, they've at least more than doubled, if you can even get your hands on one. See, I bought the 1060 shortly after it came out, so I only paid like 240 bucks for it. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't even think, I think I advised people uh, a while back that you could still go out and get, you know, like a, a Dell or an HP that has those cards already installed and they were, st they were still a pretty reasonable price, but I don't think you can even get that anymore. It's just, we're just kind of screwed right now. Yeah, and then I got in a discussion with some guys the other day that it is almost cheaper now to buy pre-built PCs from like main performance PC, I mean. You get everything all in one for sixteen hundred dollars, where you could spend eleven hundred dollars on a video card. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the way to go if you want a video card right now. I think. Yeah, I was. I ran VR on my nine seventy and then upgraded to the ten seventy, and the nine seventy got it done. But you really had to sacrifice in a lot of areas, especially night racing with shadows and everything. Um. Yeah, you definitely need a good graphics card. I feel like that's a big hurdle. Um, that's probably the biggest hurdle of it. But the cost of three good triple monitors is not as bad, but it's still up there too. So I think sim racing in a general cost has come down a ton. But to get the best out of it, I feel feel like there's still a good. Well, uh, I guess barrier. that depends. Cause I mean, if I bought my four monitor setup. Off, uh, was it Facebook or Craigslist? One of those two, two hundred bucks. They're Dell professional monitors. I mean, yeah, if you buy everything new, it's going to be you know more expensive. But like monitors, you could generally find matching monitors relatively cheap if you look. Yeah, that's how I got mine. But yeah, you got to really hunt those deals down. I know I pretty much check Craigslist every day under the sim racing tab. That's how I found my Aboto. For such a great deal it's um i'm always looking out there for a good deal 
Yeah, I've I've looked a bit. There's nothing around me here in Arkansas. There's like no race fans here. It's terrible. I wish I was still living in Indiana where we have race fans. <laughs> see, I see stuff every once in a while pop up in the Kansas City market, which is just an, you know 50 minutes away, and they're Every once in a while, I'll see a wheel or something. Man, there's not much. There's a guy about two hours from me that has an entire rig set up that he's selling. He's not parting it out, but, like, I wish he would because I'd go buy the Abato part of it that he has. But he's selling it for, like, $1,500. Oof. Which, I mean, when you think about it, all that stuff together, I mean... Uh, an Abato rig brand new. I just I just went on their websites for while we've been talking and saw how much was shipping and everything. It's eleven hundred dollars just yeah. the rig. Yeah, there's definitely good deals out there. You just gotta find them. Um, I'll move on to the next topic here. Um, iRacing um has a new fact page. Um, they updated their current fact page about a week or so ago, and if you want to find it on the member site, you just roll over the help option. And it's under the fact tab, but it's really nice. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's really nice, very well laid out, goes over everything as far as setup, hardware. I mean, anything you could think of is pretty much there. So they did a really good job with it. Well, yeah, I opened this up just because I, I had to peek. And um, I know I've I've gone to, to the previous one a few times looking for stuff. And, you know, it, it was just complete garbage. You strain your eyes trying to figure out what the heck's going on, but... Um, yeah, they did a real nice job. It's very nicely laid out, very easy to see things and, and, uh, try and find the answers that you're looking for. Um, good job on them. And it's about time. Yeah. It beats the hell out of digging through the forums for hours. Yeah. That's still a nightmare. <laughs> that's the fun thing to do. Ain't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, I feel like my, I know when I started iRacing, it was almost like two months before I fully understood how everything worked, where everything was, how the license system worked. I mean, it took me a while to just kind of adapt to it. Um, and I feel like I do above average when it comes to stuff of that nature and figuring stuff out. It's just, it's such an old complex system that's been around for so long that so many people take for what they know for granted. And those new users, I mean, it's definitely a struggle to get through all that. But it's kind of cool they're updating that and being a little more a little bit more aware of that kind of thing. Man, we got to talking about you know stuff and I mentioned Facebook. I'm looking at Facebook Marketplace right now. Somebody has a Thrustmaster TX wheel and the TH eight A shifter. They want three hundred bucks for both. Nice. That makes me sick. That's the shifter alone is almost two hundred dollars. Yeah, that's the nice thing about Southern California. I feel like a lot of people get into hobbies here, and then get out of them real quick. Um, so I, I always find weird pop-ups out here and just really score a deal on these things. But yeah, if you if you keep an eye out there, man, there's some good good racing equipment that people are trying to off, get rid of, or just don't want anymore. It's try definitely take advantage of that. <laughs> So that was actually, oh, sorry there. I was going to say, it makes me wish I had $300 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, that was actually our last topic here. Um, let's hop into final thoughts. 
Um, I'm gonna have you go first, Chris. Uh, not much. Um, uh, y'all did a great job um, with the podcast this week. I know with the with the pod father gone, <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates it. And uh, I was getting ready for a road to pro tonight. Um, ran a practice race last night. It was good for the most part. I might have accidentally got into a guy twice. <laughs> He's probably not too happy about it. But other than that, it was it was a fairly clean race and open for the same night. We have a pretty good truck. I think it was the first time I've ever ran Martinsville, and I think I ran right around um, between. 6th and 10th the majority of the time. So if we can, somebody with a little bit more experience can probably even get around there a little bit quicker. Hi, Chris. Uh, Perez, I don't know if you want to take uh, next final thought. I'm just ready to get the road to pro. Um, all I'll say is be careful out there in turn one and lap one, guys. David, any final thoughts from you, sir? Uh, just getting ready for Road to Pro, seeing where I finish tonight. Hopefully I last for more than five minutes, because for whatever reason, these Road to Pro races have not been ending up like my NIS races. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I feel like it's a little extra difficult because, they're, I mean, you only get one start every two weeks, or in this case, it's been a month. So hopefully we have a good run tonight. Uh, Tony, any final thoughts from you, sir? Oh, well, uh, you know, the, the road to pro subject, I am really not looking forward to it. <laughs> Short tracking is not my forte. I just, I have a hard time there, but I'm going to go out. I'll put my head down and hopefully I can get that truck across the finish line in one piece. That is my goal this week. Um, other than that. Uh, I guess we got the same thing for NIS this week. Um, more short track and, uh, me being down in the dungeons, lots of racks, lots of cautions, uh, bring it on. Yeah. And, um, as for my final thoughts, I just want to shout out Mike Ellis. He does such a great job with this show and put so much effort in and he set me up with all the great topics this week. And man, I did not realize how difficult this would be. Um, we started, I hit start streaming and I know started recording and I was like, oh, Mike's not here. I got to speak up. But no, I thank you guys all for being here. Um, hopefully we have a good week this week at Martinsville. Um, I probably won't do too much racing, but a lot of spotting. So I'm going to try to bring you home clean tonight, David, and try to work with you as much as I can, Chris, as well. But yeah, no, it's um really at a, hopefully we have a good week. Hopefully we survive. No one loses a license. And um, I think that's it for the show, guys. Any other, any last words besides the final thoughts? <laughs> uh, good luck and have not, have a good night, guys. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Hey. I, think he, I think he did a great job filling in for Mike, man. I wouldn't uh, want that on my shoulders. <laughs> good job, man. <laughs> hey, I tried. <laughs> All right, everyone, Perez, guys... I'm sorry for taking your spot when he called out Chris. I'm usually top of the the, the Chris's, and I wasn't looking at the screen. <laughs> ah, we could just call me Perez from now on or something. <laughs> Perez and Scales. Hey, we uh, we brought it home. So, um, yep, you guys have a great rest of your week.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.